The Voice America Business Channel is brought to you by Intercall, the worldwide conferencing leader. Check out easy and reliable conferencing solutions at www.intercall.com. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guests this hour are Jeannie Fleming and Leonard Schwartz. Uh, they are the authors of the Money Manners column, on, uh, syndicated by King Features. Uh, they've also done a book called Isn't It Their Turn to Pick Up the Check? Welcome to the Money Answer Show, both of you. Thank you. Thank you. Great to be with you. Uh, let's just start with a little bit of your background and how you got to become the arbiter of Money Matters uh, on uh, King Feature. So tell us a little bit about your background. Uh, well, we have been writing about, um, about money and relationships for about six years now, starting uh, with a column in Money Magazine and um, more recently writing for Forbes about that. Uh, I, I think it's fair to say that Leonard and I have been fascinated by this topic uh, literally since we were um, since we were kids. It, it turns out that although we didn't know it, uh, each of us grew up in a home where money and ethics issues were discussed with considerable passion <laughs> for a long time, <laughs> and we've been each of us has been sensitive to these issues ever since. And how about you, Leonard? With passion, because there were problems in each of our homes. <laughs> So you, b- both of you have been writing about this for a long time before you started the column six years ago. Is that what you're saying? No, we, no. I'm sorry. No, what we're saying is that is that uh, it turns out that we grew up in homes where there were problems, uh, problems actually involving relatives and money that, that led to uh, families not, uh, not talking to each other and things like that. So it's been an issue that has been central to us in our lives. We only started writing about it six years ago. I see. Okay. So let, we're going to get into some of the details of all the different issues that come up in the families. But what is the, I guess you say, what is the upside and the downside of having manners done well in a family? How could things be made better, and what, what happens if things are, are handled badly? Well, a, a classic outcome if things are handled badly is that someone loses rather a lot of money. <laughs> uh, just to give you an example, one of the, of the biggest areas in which there are money and relationships problems is the area of loans, loans made from one family member to another, loans made between friends. And um, one of the reasons that's such a big problem area is that it's very common for those loans to go unpaid. And, and what that means is that there is at least one person who's very unhappy about that. So are you saying in a case like that it's not a good idea to do interfamily loans at all? Well, um, we would say that you should never lend anyone money that you can't afford, easily afford to uh, see not come back, and that you should not lend money if you would be resentful if the money didn't come back, because about 40% of the time you don't get it all back. Uh, we have, we've, we've done surveys on this, so over 40% of the time people say the largest loan they've ever made hasn't been 
repaid in full, and over 20% of the time they say they don't haven't seen a dime from it. So this is, can be a pretty poisonous uh, event for a relationship. So in addition to not paying back loans, what are some of the other downsides that can happen if matters are not handled well inside a family? Well, a second arena in which um, there are very often um, problems is the, the area of transfers of wealth and, and within a family. And that can be either with res- respect to gifts that are made, for example, gifts that are made from parents to adult children, um, or it can be with respect to bequests. Um, sometimes people leave their money in ways that are um, very disruptive for their families and, and uh, very, very hurtful. Jordan, I think to expand on that, what happens is two things. Somebody, either somebody doesn't, loses money they don't want to lose, or there is a cancer of resentment that hangs around, and it can hang around for generations. Indeed. So uh, what is your recommendation uh, to prevent something like that? Is it all uh, in the writing of the will, and should everything be shared up front as to what's going to be in the will? Well, I, no, I don't think that everything should be shared up front regarding the will. I'm, I, and in fact, I think the opposite, that very often it's, um, it's, it's a much better idea for parents to keep to themselves what it is uh, that they plan to do. Um, but I think what they need to do is, is think really hard about the implications of their decisions with respect to how they leave their money. What, what we know is that most people leave their money uh, by splitting it equally among their children. And sometimes that's a really great thing to do, and sometimes that's not a great thing to do. So, for example, if you have two kids, if you're elderly, you have two kids, one of them has been um, a a loving child who's (laughs) taken care of you, and and one of them you haven't seen in 30 years, um, maybe it's not such a good idea to split your estate equally between those two children. So it, it should be dependent on the relationship with the child to some extent? Well, I think, it, I think there's a lot of things that you take, have to take into uh, consideration. And typically, people stop at, at well, if I do it um, evenly per person, I've been completely fair. And, of course, that's not fair to the principal caretaker uh, if somebody else has washed their hands of that responsibility. Also, there can be uh, people who have, there can be children who have children who have disabilities that may need more, that may need more help. There can be, uh, sometimes parents choose to reward the child who has the least money when, in fact, what they're doing is punishing the most ambitious child uh, for being successful and, 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 um, and leaving more money to the kid in the, ca- in the basement who's watching television on the couch down there. So uh, we, there's no magic formula, no magic um, uh, elixir here. But what there is is this idea that you need to be you need to weigh everything and understand that maybe you can't make everybody happy in the process of being fair. So you're saying that the, the best way, uh, as a, a general principle, to apportion inheritances is based on the child's needs and their uh, relationship with the parents and how much they've contributed to the parents' uh, well-being over the years. Uh, what we're saying is that those are important factors and there are factors that are often ignored, and the reason they're ignored is that um, lots of times parents are, are they don't they are they are concerned about disrupting the relationship 
among their children if they don't leave the money equally, and also they want to be remembered well by all their children. <laughs> but we can, we can tell you that leaving money equally, splitting money equally among children is often in itself very disruptive for those relationships, that is, the, re- the relationships among siblings. So have you seen families just really break up over these kind of things and, and really have tremendous divisions when uh, the, the inheritances are not done in a way that some people feel are fair? We've seen families where there is where there's a kind of bitterness that comes out after the uh, after the second glass of wine at every holiday meal. Um, I, this you know separate over these things is perhaps uh, too strong a word, but we've certainly seen uh, families that are that that are unhappy because of this and have never fully recovered to the kind of uh, bliss of Eden when their parents were still alive. It seems to be quite common. Another area you talk about is weddings, and again, creating hard feelings all the way around. What are some things you see people do that are ill-mannered, and, and uh, what kind of results happen from that? Weddings, um, any large event <laughs> in which a great deal of money is going to be spent, um, creates a situation in which people can go astray when it comes to their money manners. Um, a, a, a very common problem is that an, a guest decides that they would like to include someone in the celebration who hasn't actually been invited. <laughs> and of course, this is this is expensive for the folks who are um, who are paying for the wedding, and also um, intrusive. But maybe surprisingly, this happens all the time. Another thing that that we that that wedding that happens with weddings is that um, there are uh, they can be very expensive and there will be people who feel like their their resources weren't taken into account when the wedding was planned. Uh, some people and we're, and we're not talking about necessarily there being disparities in wealth among these people. We're just saying that that uh, today it's it's not uncommon for the groom's family to. Uh, to be asked to contribute to the cost of uh, the expense of the wedding. And the groom's family may think, boy, I would much rather help them with a down payment on the house. And, and these are large sums, and people start off life with a little tension between the in-laws because they, they think things shouldn't be spent that way. And then, again, on the, on the, um, on the scale of expense, there are bridesmaids who say yes and then find out that they're in for a five to $10,000 Expense because they've said yes, they will. They're willing to be a, a bridesmaid. In fact, there's there's a movie coming out this spring that looks to be very funny called Bridesmaids. That that um, isn't just about money, but it's all about the um, uh, <clears throat> the unshared expectations of a of a group of people. And so what, and uh, guests as well, by the way, can feel really pressured to spend more money than they comfortably feel they should. For example. It's also very popular now for people to have destination weddings. So when, instead of getting married in your hometown, you get married in Maui. Um, and, and that's lovely, but for the folks who are invited, um, a, a considerable expense. So what is a better way to do that? I mean, you, uh, can you ask people if you can afford it? I mean, how, what is a better way to handle that if you're wanting to do a destination wedding? How should people handle that? Well, I think... I think one of the problems, uh, and, and this is, I would say, the, the younger the, the uh, couple getting married, the more likely this problem 
is to occur is that they think the bride and groom and the bride in particular thinks only about how much can they afford and they have totally forgotten to think about how much can anyone else afford and so they think oh gee daddy said we can have twenty five thousand dollars for this wedding and they don't they're not thinking about but did everybody else who's involved have budgets to to uh, to match the scale of their wedding uh... with respect to uh, so that i don't know how to say it other than they they need to be more careful a little more uh... considerate with with respect to destination weddings having a reception in the hometown of the bride and groom is an awfully good idea and signaling to people that if they don't go to go to uh, uh, to uh, the Bahamas or to Maui to, to the wedding, there will still be an opportunity to uh, celebrate this this marriage is a very is a very good idea on the uh, on the dark side here just as an, an as an anecdote we heard from uh, someone who said that their friend twisted their arm to go to a destination wedding in Hawaii. And after they got there, they found out that the bride and groom had been promised a free suite provided they brought enough guests. And this person whose arm was twisted was the last guest to go to get to make the quota. And he's really furious with his friend now for, for, uh, for doing that. He was being used, in effect, yes. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guests uh, this hour are Jeannie Fleming and Leonard Schwartz. Uh, they write the Money Matters column that is in the King Features Syndicate. They've also got a book called, Isn't It Their Turn to Pick Up the Check? We'll be back after this. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. And we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. In the United States today, women make up the majority of the workforce and the general population. It's time to lead and leverage this influence. Succeed Like a Woman with host Rhonda Jones-Sparks will address topics that are relevant to women at any stage of their lives. From starting their career to leadership at the top, we'll hear from the most prominent women leaders who will offer support and guidance and common sense advice to help you fulfill your leadership potential. Tune in to Succeed Like a Woman with Rhonda Jones Sparks every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. Income Property Investment Talk with Peter L. Noska provides those of you eager to invest well in real estate with the knowledge, resources, and tools necessary to generate significant wealth. Our focus is to help you maximize your real estate investment dollars. Listen live to the brightest minds in investment real estate every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. That's Income Property Investment Talk with Peter L. Noska, where America learns to invest. 
From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guests this hour are Jeannie Fleming and Leonard Schwartz. Uh, They write the Money Matters column uh, that appears in King Features Syndicate. Uh, They also have a book out called Isn't It Their Turn to Pick Up the Check? Welcome back, Jeannie and Len. Thank you. Um, One area that comes up is parents helping their kids uh, with their homes, and particularly down payments and expenses. What is a good way to handle that, and what kind of problems do you hear in that particular area? Um, Well, the the most important thing to do is to be clear about what it is the arrangement is. In other words, if parents are going to help kids with a down payment on a home, they need to be clear about whether they're lending the money and if they are lending the money, that loan has to be in writing, or whether the money is a gift. And, I mean, if it's a gift, they have the $13,000 gift exemption. Anything over that, you're not going to get much of a house for a $13,000 down payment. Well, you can have uh, two, each parent can give each person $13,000, so you're at $52,000. Uh-huh. Uh, to, uh, to start with, and you get a little bit of a better down payment there, and you can probably lend them $52,000 more and forgive it in the next year. I think, I think you can help with, with that. The second problem to, uh, that goes with this is that when you help one child, every other child will be aware of it. And you, you need to figure out a strategy for keeping everybody happy, not, not that everybody gets to define what they get from their parents, but you can't sort of say, oh, Yet you don't want to just ca- cavalierly help one child and then the other ones are wondering, but what about me? And also to, to just hearken to what Jeannie said, if it is a loan, you want to make sure that loan is, is written down because one of the problems, and this sort of goes back to the quest thing you said earlier, is you have parents who lend money to some children and not to others, and then the parents die, and, the, and the, uh, in the eyes of the children who borrow the money, the loan has been forgiven. So that creeps into this house thing. As people put money in the, into homes and then they expect to be repaid for some of it, better be sure you're repaid or better be sure that loan has been memorialized in writing. Is the right way to do it over the lifetime of a family to kind of even out the number of loans? So if, if the parents help kid one with a down payment um, and then kid two doesn't need it or has other loans later, I'm not, are you supposed to kind of even the whole thing out by the time the parents die, or is that too difficult? Um, I think most parents do try to do that and, and, are, and are consciously try to do that. Um, it, it doesn't always work out. And as you just pointed out, sometimes there's a child who doesn't need a loan or, or doesn't want a loan. Um, in that case, you know, parents are, can't even it out. But um, it's certainly for most families... It's important for all of the children to, um, and I'm, I'm assuming here that these are families in which the kids, kids and parents have a pretty good relationship. Um, it's important for most of the, pardon me, for all of the children <laughs> to feel as though their parents are, are concerned about each of their welfare. Indeed. Um, another area you deal with a lot is divorce. Um, so it's obviously a difficult situation for people, but what are some of the mistakes people make in handling divorce 
that cause further rifts uh, in the financial realm? <laughs> Let me count the ways. Uh, generally, uh, divorce is so marred by uh, distrust that um, virtually everything can go wrong. We had we had a uh, we heard from a couple who were. Uh, gotten divorced but could, were unable to sell their house in the current market and so we're living in the house and uh, the wife traveled a good bit on business and felt it was unfair that she should have to fit split the utility bills with her husband because she was out of town more than he was people can find almost anything to uh, to, to uh, squabble about in a divorce and I'm not sure that there are um, right and I'm not sure that that our turf is is these kinds of of problems, where the real problem has nothing to do with money and has everything to do with finding another reason to nail the person that they uh, that they once loved and now hate. So, for example, dealing with kids in divorce, uh, again, what are the things that people do wrong, and how is it better to do it right? Someone uh, got in touch with us not too long ago and and, and was very upset because. He had discovered that money that he had been sending to his um, his ex-wife for presents and so on for his children, sh- she was pocketing. Um, that a very difficult problem, and um, and 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 not a problem that's easily solved. So it really is the breakdown of trust that causes the problem, and then it kind of gets worse from there. Well. Be, li- among to go back to saying among parents lending money to children everybody's trying to to do something that everybody's going to be happy with in divorce exactly the opposite is often the case people are trying to win at the expense of the other person and that doesn't lend itself to to uh, happy outcomes they're there and no one's trying for a happy outcome is it better to do mediation than legal proceedings and having a full divorce with lawyers you know, I, and all that? I, I think that one is not is not on our turf. <laughs> um, we don't know the answer to that question. Yeah. Okay. Um, you, you talk a lot about picking up the check, and that's the, the title of your book, isn't it? There time to pick up the check. What are some of the situations that kind of come up where resentment is caused and it could be handled better as far as picking up the check when you have uh, two parties uh, sharing a meal? Well, the most obvious thing that 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 uh, that arises is that one is that one side, one party orders a great deal more than the other, and with when they understand the check is going to be split. And the other problem that arises is that one one of the parties, for whatever reason, decides it's the other person's turn to pick up the check. And we hear regularly from people with both those problems. And um, we have three rules to deal with a situation in which you feel the check is being unfairly split. Uh, The rules are nip it in the bud, learn to say no, and remember who the bad guy is. And by that I mean if you're you're with them, go out with another couple and they order fantastic wine that they drink and and they order the fillets and you're having pasta, first time the check arrives when you go out with these people, you better say, you know, wouldn't it be fairer if, it looks to me like we've probably spent uh, $75 here. Uh, suppose I give you that and you pay the rest? 
because if you don't, this is going to happen forever. You, people fear being looked upon as a, as a cheapskate. But if you don't speak up early, this is going to happen forever. The alternative, of course, is when the next time you go out with these people to ask for second checks. Um, and when, if you're the slightest bit uncomfortable, you have to realize that you haven't done anything wrong, that the other person, the person who is either expecting you to pay for the entire meal or the person, <laughs> excuse me, uh, the person who is is ordering a great deal at your expense is wrong. And if they get angry at you for saying, I don't think this is fair, they're the ones that are wrong. So, this happens, so the, the key thing is to set up expectations from the beginning that are agreed upon and accurate. It doesn't, it doesn't make things worse by kind of imposing that up front. Is that what you're saying? I, I think what Leonard is saying is that it, it's, it's really important to, uh, if you see something, well, let me back up. <laughs> if you, you, should, you should explain what your expectations are early in the going rather than late in the going when it comes to, um, when it comes to splitting the check. And, and if you do that, the odds of there being a problem go way down. If you you have, this, go ahead. Yeah, if you, if you have one bad experience with people... If you don't say something at the start of the second meal, you will have a bad experience with them forever. Uh, it doesn't mean that you have to have go to Geneva and have a protocol conference before you go out to dinner with people, but it means that it means when things start to go bad, you have to speak up very early, or it's become an institutionalized procedure, and you're stuck with it. So that people are afraid to ruin the relationship by bringing it up too early, and then they cause a lot of resentment, is what you're saying. Yes, they do. And, and, and sometimes, you know, this is in very extreme situations. We, um, we heard from somebody a while back who said that whenever she and her husband went to her brother-in-law's house uh, for dinner, after dinner they would be presented with a tab. They would be presented with a bill for what it is they had eaten. And these folks had unfortunately failed to nip it in the bud <laughs> so solving this problem was going to become a really big deal and probably difficult for the two brothers to um, to work through because uh, because the, the, the poor folks who got in touch with us had been paying that tab for quite some time when they went to the brother-in-law's house for dinner I I should tell you that we've spoken to a lot of waiters, and they are very accustomed to having people hand them two credit cards and saying, would you split this 60-40, or would you put the first 50 bucks on this one and then split it? They're very accustomed to people going into restaurants and saying, listen, could you bring us a separate bar tab? And that way the, the big drinkers play the bar tab and the couples then split the, uh, the food tab. This is not at all unusual. The problem exists where the disparities in what people want to consume exist, and restaurants are very happy to accommodate uh, this on the part of their customers. It's just the customers are a little uh, slow to speak up. We have a saying that says the, uh, the meek may inherit the earth, but in the meantime, they're getting stuck with the check. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Very good. All right, we're going to take another break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. Uh, my guests this hour are uh, Ginny Fleming and Leonard Schwartz. Uh, their book is called Isn't It Their Turn to Pick Up the Check? Uh, they write a column called Money Manners, uh, which appears with King Features and newspapers around the country. We'll be back after this.
markets up or down. Or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Patricia Raskin, the host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com, Monday, 11 Pacific. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call to Positive Living, Mondays at 11 Pacific time, right here on VoiceAmerica.com. When you are trying to establish your financial plan, there are all sorts of variables that you'll need to take into consideration, from the ever-changing economy and markets to investment risk and your own financial needs. How do you manage all of it to find a plan that'll work for you? Tune in to The Insightful Investor with Bob Pugh. We'll help you iron it all out to help you stick to a financial plan with the knowledge that you need. The Insightful Investor is broadcast live Mondays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman. Uh, My guest this hour are uh, Jeannie Fleming and Leonard Schwartz. Their book is called Isn't It Their Turn to Pick Up the Check? They also write a column called Money Manners. Uh, that appears in the King Features Syndicate around the country. Let's talk about disparities in wealth between siblings and what are some of the problems uh, that come up there and and what are some of your projected ways of uh, handling it that are a little bit better? Well, the first thing to understand about disparities in wealth between siblings is that they are extremely common. Uh, I think most of us mistakenly believe that that kids in most families wind up ultimately when when they reach adulthood with uh, incomes that are pretty much the same. And the opposite is true. <laughs> it, is, it is normal, very normal, to have a sibling who has um, a whole lot more money than you do or a whole, a whole lot less money than you do. So what kind of tensions does that cause? Uh, well, um, some of the tensions are, are just the ones you, that you might imagine. Um, you and your sibling, and, and, and of course these things would apply to friends as well, you know, this is somebody you're close with, you decide to take a vacation together, and, and your, your sibling has in mind a, a vacation that is, is really outside of your budget. Or on the other side of, of the coin, your sibling has proposed a vacation that, that doesn't appeal to you because, it, you know, it, it's, it's, it's not maybe as grand as you would like a vacation to be. 
so it can be just as simple as those kinds of problems. You know, two people who really like each other who um, are trying to um, share an experience together that costs money, and there's tension over what that's going to cost. So is it better for the wealthier one to subsidize the non-wealthy one? Does that create its own resentment? What, what is the best way to handle it if they, they want to do different kinds of vacations, for example? Well, I think if the older, if the if the uh, more successful one uh, really would be uncomfortable, it's certainly reasonable to say, "Listen, I would love to treat you to the difference on this, and it's going to be on me." Um, the problem there are two problems emerge when you do that. However, the first, the one problem is that the is that the less successful one may expect to be treated forever. Uh, which may not be what the intent of the of the more successful one was, and the or the less successful one may not wish to be the patron of the uh, of the more successful one, and because when one person is paying more than fifty percent of a bill, substantially more than fifty percent of a bill, they sort of become the de facto uh, decision maker. You know, they have more power, they have more authority. So there's there's some there's some difficulty there. It's better if they can find a place that they both agree on than to have uh, there to be this patron and uh, model in place. Okay, very good. Uh, another area you talk about is making promises uh, and not fulfilling promises. A lot of people don't don't fill their promises. What are some of the promises that people make that don't get fulfilled, and what kind of tensions does that cause? Well, one of the things that can, I mean, this this can be all over the map. You can have somebody uh, promise, and we've we've run into this. Somebody somebody says in a in a um, <clears throat> weak moment, or a, or I should say, an emotional moment at a family event, and puts his arms around his nephew and tells him he's going to pay for his college education, and then uh, his nephew's mother remarries a very uh, a more successful guy, and the guy feels like, and the, the family starts to believe they're going to get this. The kid's college education is paid for. And um, you know that that's a that, that shall we say is an, is an awkward is an awkward situation, or you can have a situation in which a um, and we're familiar with several of these where a, where a parent says to a uh, one child that they're that the other child uh, this is as young adults the um, one of the ch- one of the children may have a drug drug problem or have. Uh, uh, disability that means that they they require some attention, and so the parent wants all of the money to go to the the uh, whole-minded child, but the whole-minded child doesn't want the responsibility of the of the uh, of taking care of their sibling for their entire life, and yet they promise their parent to do it. You can get some very some very difficult situations um, with long-term commitments that involve money. So is it, is it better not to make the promises in the first place, or, or not to believe the promises? What is a better way to handle that? Well, some of the um, certainly it, it is better not to make a promise you you know that you don't intend to keep. <laughs> um, what where the problems come in, of course, is that lots of times people make promises, and, and as Leonard said, they they intend to keep them. Um, but things get in the way, and, and most fundamentally, life changes. So you, you are no longer in the situation you were when you made the promise. Um, you know, you promise to, um, 
you promise, as Leonard said, you take you promise to take care of your um, your disabled. You know, this is a very tragic situation. Your disabled sibling forever, and your parents are are counting on you, and they may leave their money. Uh, they may in, in ways that um, assume that that will happen, and then life changes for you, and and you are now need to move to a, a part of the country that's far away from just as an example from where your disabled sibling live. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you an extreme example here, but, um, but the point is that people fairly often make promises that they intend to keep and then something gets in the way of them doing that. So it's not enough to just vow that you'll never make a promise that you can't keep. Jordan, I'd, I'd say there's, there's, there are two things uh, underlying this. One, if you're young and your parents sort of force you to make a promise, and, and by young, you can be 25 years old, and if you're talking to a 55-year-old parent who you love who says, I want you to say that you're always going to be sure that this, that this happens, you've, I won't say you've been bullied, but, but that's not an equal situation. You didn't voluntarily make that, and you have some latitude. That not, you, need to re, you need to look after the situation you're supposed to look after. That is, you may have to look for an alternative, but you, you haven't made the type of pledge that, say, someone does when they get married. And secondly, promises become much more meaningful when something is given to you in exchange for the promise, so that, for example, um, we know of a situation or two where, where people have said, promise to do something for their child, provided their child keeps them in their home as, they, as elderly people. And so you make the promise to your, to your mother at 80 that you will see that she stays in her home and never has to leave her, her home and never has to go to any kind of nursing facility. And in exchange for that, she gives you a big chunk of her money. And then when she's, she lives longer than you ever imagined, say 90, and all of a sudden she needs more care than you can possibly provide. Well, that's all too bad because you promised you, you, you took the money, <laughs> you know, and things occurred that you didn't expect to occur, but you're sort of on the line for a promise like that, even though life has played out entirely differently than you imagined. Is it better to get uh, promises like that in writing, uh, where it's a major long-term commitment on both sides, or, or a commitment on one side and maybe money on the other side? I believe, we believe everything's better in writing, to tell you the truth, because uh, writing does two things. It flushes out the assumptions that people had that they didn't say. For example, just in a very simple loan, one person's expecting interest, the one person isn't. One person thinks the money's going to be paid the end of the year, and the other person thinks it's going to be paid whenever, they get, whenever they're able to. Writing, putting things in writing really forces people to deal with, the, with assumptions and the second thing it does is it, is, is it gets rid of ambiguities. Indeed. Okay. All right. Uh, you also uh, talk a lot about uh, dealing with neighbors, and neighbors from hell particularly. What, what are some difficulties that people run into with their neighbors, and what's a good way to handle them? Well, the, the issue with neighbors is, is of course, that, that boundary that you share with them, or certainly that's one of the issues, the boundary that you share with them. And, um, and, and a typical problem with a neighbor is that you have a neighbor who encroaches on your boundary in some way. So, um, for example, um, you have a neighbor who sets up some, some 
type of equipment, some type of play equipment, so that it's um, it's on a lot of it's on in your yard and not just in in their yard. Well, that's that's kind of a tough situation. You have to go over and and uh, and uh, tell your neighbor to um, to um, to take down the volleyball net or whatever it is, and and no one enjoys that, and and everybody is concerned about seeming as though they are um, they are overly concerned with that boundary line between the two properties. Everyone's afraid of looking petty. And uh, it, it may not just be a volleyball net. It may be that you set up your basketball net so that anytime anybody misses, the ball goes and lands on the neighbor's yard and the kids are running back and forth through the hedge and across the grass. And pettiness, of course, is the, is the great fear there. But... but it's once again, you know, the meek may inherit the earth, but in the meantime, they lose their lawn. So, so you're supposed to handle it firmly, but not too obnoxiously, basically, because they're <laughs> well, still supposed, going to be your neighbor. You're definitely right? supposed to speak up. We agree. You, th- th- this is a. This is a. You, you hit an important point there, which is it's perfectly possible to be absolutely enraged at people. But nevertheless, go up to them and speak nicely so they're not reacting to your anger. They're reacting to the substance of your request. This happens in the movie theaters when you tell people to turn off their, their, uh, their iPhones, which are working as uh, flashlights in the theater. You have to, if, you don't, if you're not smiling when you're saying it, the, the iPhone's not going off. I mean, the difference, though, is that that's a temporary neighbor. If you have somebody yes. living next to it, it's permanent. Well, the, all the more reason to be smiling when you say it. And, and all the more reason to do it quickly. Speak up the day the net goes up. Uh-huh. Don't not wait for three summers to say something. So, so th- there's an advantage in, in all the things we've been talking about, really, is handling it up front as opposed to letting it simmer. Absolutely. The other, otherwise, it will play to the other person, although this isn't fair, as a take-back. What's, what's the problem? You didn't have a problem with the volleyball net being there last summer. And they'll also believe that you were just simmering. They'll also say, gee whiz, you know, you had us over to dinner, and we had you over to dinner, and you never said anything about that. And they will feel a little betrayed that, that you, because they know this has been going on for a while. So, it, it again, it's nipping in the bud. It's terribly important. Now that seems to be the theme of what we've been talking about today. Is uh, dealing, but So why don't people do that? Why don't people nip it in the bud and take care of it up front? They are embarrassed. They they. They feel, as Leonard was saying, they're very concerned about seeming petty. Um, and in particular, they don't want to seem petty about something Im- involving money or involving pro- uh, ownership of property. And I think the other thing they don't have have is a voice. We Every parent learns to have a voice with their child for saying, no, you can't do that, and what you just did is wrong in which they know how not to be angry at their child, they know how to be loving with their child, and they know how to correct their child. And most people have not developed that voice to say the same thing to their neighbor or to the person that owes the money or to the person that has ordered the uh, expensive champagne at dinner. They don't have a non-judgmental, warm, friendly voice for saying, you know, that isn't right, and I think here's what we need to do to fix it. Indeed. Okay, we're going to take another break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guests this hour are Jeannie Fleming and Leonard Schwartz. Uh, they write the Money Manners column uh, for King Feature Syndicate. Uh, their latest book is called Isn't It Their Turn to Pick Up the Check? We'll be back after this. 
the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Intense and intelligent. Catch Kevin, unscripted and uncensored, keeps you informed of the ideological, theological, and economic war being waged against the United States of America. Kevin Lehman's bold and brilliant style challenges your deepest held beliefs and provokes you to ask the hard questions, religious, scientific, political, or financial. Kevin is holding the establishment's feet to the fire with high-profile guests that include politicians, economists, theologians, and business titans. He'll demand truth over tradition and facts over fiction. Full of passion, wisdom, and wit, Kevin's transparent and no-nonsense style make Catch Kevin unscripted and uncensored. The go-to show for real insight on business, politics, social issues, and breaking news. It's time to get real, America. It's time to tackle the tough issues head on. Tune in to Catch Kevin, unscripted and uncensored, Mondays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Business Channel. If you are looking for creative ways to improve your bottom line, tune in to Make Your Move with Alan and Brian Bolio. Their proven track record of helping businesses enhance their profitability will provide the basis for a forum about actionable items based on a business person's perspective. The program will be business talk, but with an economic context, so you'll know how to stay ahead of the game. Make Your Move is broadcast live every Monday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guests this hour are Jeannie Fleming and Leonard Schwarz. Uh, They are experts in the whole field of money manners. Uh, Their column is called Money Manners on the King Features uh, Syndicate. Uh, They wrote for many years for Money Magazine, and they have a book out called Isn't It Their Turn to Pick Up the Check? Welcome back to both of you. Thank you. Let's just talk about the whole question of uh, training people to be uh, civil and and have good manners. Is is your sense that things are getting better or worse in that way as far as training kids to be uh, more respectful and so on? Um. I'm. I am. Um, I'm not sure that we have a, a that we know very much about what the trend has been in how um, how courteous children are, or how in, whether in general or with respect to money. Um, I think it's been true for a long time that children are not taught. They haven't been taught to think about money very well. And um, and manners with respect to money is is just one aspect of that. I also think that children seem to be growing up with a greater sense of entitlement, just generally. And so, 
I, I don't see that as an encouraging development. I mean, all the video games they're doing and the uh, texting each other and the bullying and all the things and, and the call for civility by the president, it, it just seems like there's more and more concern that people are not being that courteous or, or civil in the society. Well, I think their parents aren't. I, mean, I, I think that uh, that you see that you see that you see more and more, and this will this will, of of people just thinking, you know, I'm standing at the uh, people blocking hallway hallways in, uh, or I should say, passageways in restaurants to stop and talk to other people, and they put their butts right in the face of other diners and can stand there forever. I don't think you saw this 20 years ago. I mean, and these would be the parents of the children that are, you know, they're not seeing good role models. So is that a lot of what it comes down to, is this kind of sense of entitlement that leads to boorish behavior? Well, that, that certainly plays a role in it, but I, I also think that, again, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to harp on this point, but I think people haven't been taught, especially when it comes to money, to think very clearly about it um, and to be able to differentiate their interests from other people's interests, um, for example. So uh, I think, um, you know, talking about entitlement and so on suggests that people are somehow not as nice as they used to be. And uh, um, I, I don't know that that's, I mean, it may well be true. But, but with respect to money, um, I think they are, they are certainly not very thoughtful. Yeah, I think that once upon a time you knew that when you, a 12-year-old or 10-year-old knew if their neighbor took, the, took all the kids to the movies and said, what would you like? The kids knew that they, couldn't, they shouldn't order everything that they want. Uh, you know, I'll have a popcorn and candy and, a, and, a, and this and a that. And I think today no one's teaching children to watch out for other people's money. Uh, that seems to be a very important concept in, in life, is to understand whose money you're spending. And I don't think there's much emphasis on that today. I think that, they, that every, again, that ties to my theme of entitlement. People believe they're entitled to these things, and they're, they're missing the simple understanding of whose, whose money is this that I'm spending. And the kind of sense of limits and, and uh, what's appropriate there. Um, if people want to ask you questions uh, about money matters situations, uh, how can they reach you? They should, uh, if they have any questions about money matters, they should write to us at questions at moneymanners.net. Very good. What are some of the more unusual questions you've been hearing lately, and what have been your answers? Well, we heard from a, um, an interesting situation that's unlike anything we've spoken about, is a uh, a woman uh, a son wrote to us that his that his mother worked for a, a worthwhile nonprofit organization, but she had become the number one target of the fundraisers at the not for, at the nonprofit, and so she was going to when she retired she had be left with no resources because she was donating it back to these to these people, and his mother was a fully competent person, but. But uh, but in the thrall of the organization that she was that she was happy to work for, and that's tough because his mother loved her job. And so, what did you recommend? 
Well, we recommended that he talk to her mother, to sit down and have a very hard, difficult conversation with the mother because it's not his business to go into the charity and explain to her that that uh, you know there were limits to what he was going to be able to provide for her and that she was that the uh, giving the money to this charity so she could go to well go on welfare didn't seem like a good idea. You can't always make people do what they should. Mm-hmm. Do you get a sense? Do you hear from people after you've given the advice on what's happened and and things do normally work out nicely? We have sometimes heard from their relatives after we've, <laughs> after we've given them advice. The other side. <laughs> the other side. I mean, of course, that's a crucially important factor is that we only know the side that we're that we're told about. Um, there's another topic that we haven't talked about today. That's um, that's. Uh, pretty frequent causer of problems, and and that's the issue of when it is that you need to give people information about um, about yourself, and in particular information about your your financial situation. We had a guy who wrote to us a while back who said that he was um, is a, a guy in his early forties who um, who's um, has a good job and drives a nice car and lives in a nice place and unfortunately however is absolutely broke and his question was when do i at what point um if ever do i need to let the people that i'm going out with know that despite the fact that um that i have a good income and i can pay for nice meals and and i project a terrific aura of prosperity um that that's false i'm 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 in debt i have very little money um at what point in a relationship do I have to reveal my true financial situation? They're going to find out later, if not sooner, right? <laughs> well, well eventually, yes. yes. So is that false advertising, what he's doing there, and you recommend he not do it? Well, we recommend that it's that, that this moment he has the slightest interest in somebody, he start to come clean, because we don't want this uh, Prince Charming to be revealed for the frog that he is. <laughs> too late in the game, uh, I, we think the woman would feel betrayed, and rightly so. Indeed. And there's a flip side to this story, of course, and, and that is people on the other side who, who have considerable financial resources but live very modestly. And what they worry about is, you know, at what point do I have to let the person I'm, I'm seeing know that I have a lot more money than I seem to have. Yes, <laughs> they've been in hiding for all these years. <laughs> exactly right. Very good. All right, well, it's been fascinating. My guests this hour have been uh, Jeannie Fleming and Len- Leonard Schwartz. Uh, their book is called Isn't It Their Turn to Pick Up the Check? Uh, they're writing a column called Money Manners, uh, the King Features Syndicate. Um, and you can uh, also ask them questions at questions at moneymatters.net. Thanks so much for being on The Money Answer Show, both of you. Thank you very much. And we'll be back again with another edition of The Money Answer Show next week. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and The Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.